You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to Let's Talk Apple, episode 35, the show for July 2016. I am your host, Bart Bouchotts. Joining me today, I have a fabulous panel, as always. Um, I think physically closest to me, we have uh, Nick Riley back with us again. Hi, Nick. Oh, hi, Bart. Good to be back again. It's always a pleasure to have you. And not very far from Nick, and maybe even a few miles closer to Ireland, I'm really not quite sure how English geography works, we also have Gazmaz with us. Good evening. I'm not going to say good afternoon, good morning. Oh, I just did it. I'm not here. Yes. How are you, Bart? Because I'm fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm doing just fine. Um, good, good. Yeah, no, it's, I'm, I'm starting to count down to my summer holidays. So that's Oh, excellent. excellent. Always fun. And then definitely further away from me, somewhere on the greater continent of America, we are also joined by Linda Goucher again. Hi, Linda. Hello, Bart. Actually, from San Jose, California, right in the heart of Silicon Valley. Oh, well, that's the perfect place to be for most of the stories for this week, right? Right. Okay, so we have a whole month's worth of Apple news to talk about, and even though it's the middle of the silly season in the middle of summer, there actually are some stories that are worth of our attention. Um, before we dig into fresh stories, I just want to do two follow-ups from stuff we talked about last time. Actually, no, three follow-ups from what we talked about last time. The first one is a correction. Um... A number of listeners. I think uh, Jill gets the prize for being fastest at the keyboard. And uh, Linda, you also sent me an email correcting this, and there were others as well. Um, Ewan didn't quite get it right when he was talking about the security features on the Apple Watch. There is indeed a setting you can set to tell it to delete itself after 10 failed passcode attempts, just like you can do on an Apple Watch or an iPad, or sorry, an, an iPhone or an iPad. So that, that, that security whoopsie isn't actually there. Now, I found the UI for the security setting a little bit less than ideal. Uh, when you go into the watch security settings, it has no mention whatsoever of this feature. But if you go into the watch app on the iPhone, lo and behold, there's a giant big button to allow you to set it up. So yes, it can be done, but you need to go look on the phone, not on the watch. Okay. So, other follow-ups. Oh, sorry, Linda. May, may I just add to that that you mm-hmm. can also set a more sophisticated password than just the, the four digits. Okay. Um, it gives you that option as well also in that in the watch app on the iPhone. Same place. And how does that work, like, on the watch itself? Does that not mean you end up with a really horrible, teeny-tiny keyboard? Or how... Yeah, the keyboard remains the same as far as I know, but it, you could set it as a six number. Oh, or, okay. And you uh, you obviously can't do alphabet, but right. you can do a longer password. So, okay. if, you know, depending on your circumstances. No, that, that's good to know. Thank you. Oh, okay, so other stories to follow up from. Uh, we spent, I think, the last three months talking about on again, off again, on again, off again, can go, can't go in the Apple stores. I think... This is the last twisting and turning of this twisty-turny thing. And it would appear that Apple has finally been greenlit to go ahead and open stores in India. Or so says a spokesperson who refused to be named from the Indian government. Because apparently they have policies and such things. But apparently the Indian cabinet has agreed. So I think that's as high as it goes. So that should be that then, in theory. Um, I guess when we see a grand opening, we'll know for sure it's happening. And then the other thing to talk about is Walmart Pay. Um, in the last show, Walmart Pay had just gone into beta in a select number of states. I think it was one state. 
Uh, it's now been rolled out nationwide in the US, and um, some initial reviews are that it's uh, surprisingly not awful, I believe is how some people are phrasing it. Basically, the UI actually seems pretty darn sound. Uh, so if you're in the US and you shop in Walmart and you have a smartphone, you may or may not want to give Walmart Pay a look. Or Obviously, if you have an iPhone that can do Apple Pay, that's probably more interesting in 90% of places, but I presume that doesn't work in Walmart. Linda, do you do you Apple Pay at all? I Apple Pay a lot, but I don't shop at Walmart, so no data point yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, no data point on Walmart. Um, I, unlike our friend Allison, I'm able to use Apple Pay several times a week uh, ah. because most many of the places, the main places where I shop, do take it. So I'm I'm very happy with it. Okay, well, that's good. I, I, I am 90% sure Walmart won't take Apple Pay because they were part of uh, the currency th- contraption, but they've obviously given up on currency and have gone with their own, which is interesting. Yeah. Okay, uh, notable numbers. Just one number I think we should talk about in that section, which is a rather large number. Uh, nine ze- no, not nine zeros. It's how, how many is in a billion? Is it a thousand million? Well, it all depends. Yeah. It all, I think it all depends where you come from. So okay, so which billion oh, do no. Americans use? Oh, as far mm, I've always heard what you just said—a thousand millions. Okay, then it so, is nine zeros. Okay, I think uh, it's I think it's generally accepted, even in the UK as well now that a billion is a thousand million. Historically, even traditionally, historically it was a million million. Yeah, which is a stupendously large number. Um, yeah, which I think is an American trillion. Yeah. Just to confuse things completely. That sounds anyway. right. <laughs> sounds right to me, but I'm not a mathematician. Well, yes, I'm 99% sure a, a billion is a thousand million, and that is the number of iPhones Apple have shipped, which is a staggeringly large number, no matter how you define it. Yeah. Um, You've filled my house many times over. Many, many, <laughs> many times over. <laughs> Yes, very large pile. Someone should work out, given the height of the iPhone's box, how many times to the moon it's been or something like that. Not going to do it now, but it might be a number. I thought that was a challenge you'd setting us then, Bart. Well, if you want, Gaz. (laughs) Or how far end-to-end, you know. Well, the the problem here is, um, are we talking which phone? Because obviously you've got the larger phone and the smaller phone, so I really need an accurate calculation which number of phones I can get. (laughs) (laughs) So I won't do it because it's... No, you know. I mean, too complicated. <laughs> Perhaps not. Anyway, um, there was a whole bunch of people have sort of, you know, with this as their starting point, there's a whole bunch of other sort of interesting side notes to that. Um, so there's a website which counts down uh, how much of how much of anything Apple sell in a second. Um, oh, sugar, and I have the link broken in my show notes. That's very mm. annoying. Actually, no, that's, sorry, that's a different link. Okay. Um, phew. So, app, you know, so how long did it take Apple to sell a million iPhones? How long did it take them to sell a million, 100 million, 500 million? And what you find is the graph kicks up quite sharply. So the first million, the, the, the first million basically were sold on day one. So that's an easy number to hit. But um, or not quite day one. On day 74, which is pretty early on. 100 million was then hit in 1,300 days. The first half billion in 2,450 days. And then only 3,000 odd days until they hit their billionth. So what that means is it took 2,450-ish days to sell half a a billion. 
and only 836 days to sell the second half a billion. So it, it's kicking up quite rapidly regardless of any sales figures announced so far. Uh, another number to put into context, the Simco listed unit shipments of other sort of greatest products. So the most popular car ever made was a VW Beetle that only sold 21.5 million. Um, apparently the most popular car brand is the Toyota Corolla, and that's 43 million. Uh, Thriller is the most popular music album at 70 million. Uh, the Honda Super Club, 87 million, whatever that is, it's the most popular vehicle, apparently. Uh, Lord of the Rings is the most popular book at 150 million. Uh, the Rubik's Cube is the most popular toy at 350 million. That's a lot of very confused people. Uh, <laughs> the most popular games console outsold the Rubik's Cube at 382 million. That's a third of a billion. Well, a l- little more. Harry Potter, which is definitely one of the most popular books of all time. The entire series, 450 million. Less than half a billion, just. The most popular phone, the iPhone, 1 billion. So there are more iPhones than Harry Potter books. By a factor of two and a bit. Yeah, but you can lend Harry Potter books. I, I hand me down iPhones all the time. <laughs> they never go into the scrap scrapyard. <laughs> and you can't yeah. make calls on Harry Potter books, though. <laughs> no, no, that's true. that's true. And actually, you can read Harry Potter on iPhones, I suppose. Though. You can, actually, yes. Or have Stephen Fry read them to you if you're on the audiobooks. Mm. <laughs> I much prefer. Anyway. It's a lot I, of phones. It is an awful yes. lot of phones, and it, it, the, 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 the conclusion that Simcoe come to is that the iPhone is not the most popular phone of all time. It is the most popular product of all time, which is pretty darn good going for Apple. It is. It is indeed. The, the gentleman who runs a Simcoe, Horace Dudu, is an industry analyst, not, mm. not a sell-side analyst, not a financial analyst in the same way that we think about the guys on the call, the guys and ladies on the call. Mm-hmm. But um, he is very bullish on Apple, and he has been consistently. He's, uh, he's got quite some credentials, a Harvard MBA, and he's uh, on a uh, – or he – takes part in an institute or works at an institute that Clay Christensen Institute, which has been Clay Christensen is a professor at Harvard and um, very highly esteemed. So interesting guy with interesting views on Apple. Yeah. Generally speaking, anytime I've ever linked to a Simcoe, it's always been because it's really good stuff. Yeah. Uh, The last thing I have in the show notes in this section is just a link to a fun website called everysecond.io and they have a page dedicated to Apple. And when you load the page, a whole bunch of counters will start counting. And that is the number of whatevers Apple have done since you loaded the page. So since I loaded the page 58 seconds ago, it's almost 400 iPhones have been sold, 81 iPads, 32 Macs, 24 Apple Watches, 21 iPad Pros, which isn't bad going actually. Revenue is counting up at a stupendous rate. App downloads are at 55,000 since I loaded the page. Profit is, oh, oh 100 grand just like that. Uh, 18,000 iTunes downloads. It, it's, it's really quite fun. Jeez, the number of FaceTime calls is astonishing. Not to mention iMessages. 38 million iMessages in the time, in a minute and 26 seconds. Jeez. I was watching um, FaceTime. Oh, yeah, come, do you mind if I take a tangent here? Go on. Um, I was I was watching a program and it talked about FaceTime for deaf people and said it's like a it makes the phone a revelation to a lot of them because obviously now they can sign to their friends and it's oh. just something which be, not using the phone to my ear 
it's something you don't think about. Obviously, we use FaceTime, but to a lot of deaf people, it's just, you know, it's just great for them because easy to, to sign to your friends, et cetera, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. and, and also on this um, Apple Every Second, mm-hmm. um, I didn't think Apple gave out numbers on watches. So I assume that's an assumption. Um, but... I assume you assume correctly. Okay. <laughs> Um, also, FaceTime is useful to um, controversial Turkish presidents. <laughs> kind of bizarre, actually, when you've, you've reached far enough into culture that you can have a FaceTime call when you're in the middle of a coup and people just say the word FaceTime as if it's the most normal thing in the world. Yes, yes. Yeah, not messaging <laughs> app service from Apple FaceTime, which is FaceTime. I mean, of course, people know what FaceTime is. No need to explain. Okay, so that's the notable numbers. Uh, before we dive into the big stories, just a few little legal doodads to catch up on. Um, 68 major corporations, including Apple, are challenging North Carolina's anti-trans bathroom law in court. So uh, I guess we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Apple have settled a patent case in East Texas for $25 million. The patent covers Spotlight, CoverFlow and Time Machine. Uh, I think it was in the last episode we were saying that usually when Apple settles, we never hear about it, but they must settle from time to time. Well, this time we heard about it, so yeah, they definitely do settle sometimes. They don't always go all the way. And then finally, mark it in your calendar in the October show for this year. We will be talking about the Supreme Court hearing the Apple v. Samsung case, because on October 11th, that is going to trial in front of the Supreme Court of the United States of America. So that should be interesting. Okay. If um, I can make a comment about the North Carolina case, mm-hmm. one of the things that has been speculated about among some of the Apple fan base is because Apple has a data center there, yes. is what, yeah, what if anything would happen if, you know, might they move that? Uh, it would be expensive and et cetera, et cetera. So unlikely. But it's interesting that they have invested in that state, and here's one of your a large investor pushing for the change on that law. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, Apple were very much enticed into North Carolina by some pretty good tax incentives. I mean, there was a big negotiation there with with the government to get Apple to come, and now that they've arrived, they they feel mightily pissed off. I think. Yeah, I would imagine. And they're not alone um, because. Like particularly the city of Charlotte has been working really hard to be a progressive place that's welcoming to corporations, and they've all come flooding in. And now the state come in and pass these laws, and you know the, the, the Charlotte is not happy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. Like I say, it seems impossible to me that Apple will just close the data center, but it, I imagine any plans for expansions have been put on ice. I would. I would think so. I would think so. I mean, we we have no information, but yeah, that that would surprise me if that were not the case. Yeah, and I guess the other way to close it is to obsolete it out. You know, so you you build something else, and you just don't you let this one run itself down, and then you move somewhere else. So not not good, not good if it continues like that. Yeah. Okay, so we've beaten around the bush long enough. Um, you hear Linda's voice on the show. That can mean only one thing. Three months have passed, and Apple have yet again told us how much or how little money they have made or lost or whatever they've done. It is, of course, the Apple Q3 earnings call. Uh, Apple don't believe in calendars. They think it is now already autumn uh, because their first quarter is at Christmas time because that's, that's just how Apple roll. 
so their Q3 results. Uh, I'll quickly run through the biggie numbers uh, and then we can have a little chat about it. So revenue, $42.4 billion, which sounds nice and high. Until you realise that the same time well, last year, it was $49.6 billion, which was 15% more. Or rather, it's now 15% down. Net income, $7.8 billion, uh, $1.2 per dilutive share, which is down from $10.7 billion and $1.85 per dilutive share last year. And gross margins at 38%, which is pretty darn good for gross margins, but is nonetheless down from 39.7 in the year-ago quarter. Um... In terms of where the money came from, 63% of it came from outside of the United States of America, so from people like me and Gaz and Nick. Uh, And Apple shareholders will be receiving a dividend of $0.57 per share. Uh, Now, obviously, those numbers are all in one direction. They're all down. And yet, the markets were not cranky. Explain, Linda. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. First, first, if you will allow me to be picayune, the mm. dividend is the same as last quarter. So because oh, okay. that gets set, yeah, that gets set in the spring quarter and then carries through. So for the year, you, at least that's their normal uh, procedure. So um, everything is based. The, the simple way to think about it is is that everything is based on the market's expectations. Although the numbers were down uh, year over year, they were not down based on the analyst's expectations. So they actually beat expectations both on the top line, as they say, and that mm-hmm. means um, you know, that means your revenue, and also on the bottom line, which is your earnings per share. Okay. So they did, okay. in fact, beat. So that's good. Further, um, that's always what has happened in the quarter that's being reported on is always important. Even more important is the company's guidance going forward. And the guidance was reasonably good. It's not exceptionally high, but it's reasonably good. Okay. So, yeah. And uh, in listening to the to the earnings call, it was kind of interesting because the uh, couple of the analysts were asking, some were asking, well, why isn't this lower? And others were asking, why isn't this higher? And that's <laughs> kind of, well, what that tells you is, is that you're in the exact right spot. Right. Because you know right, what I'm yes. saying? Because if everyone thinks, why isn't it higher then and you're yeah, guiding too low or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So so that's that's part of it. The other part of it, um, and some may consider this editorializing on my part, it par- probably is, but I'm not the only one that thinks this way. Apple as a stock is really undervalued when you look at What's the P.E. ratio, which I'm not going to explain, but it basically is a, um, a metric by which stocks are evaluated. Apple has, is quite low. So it's really undervalued. And people like uh, Berkshire Hathaway, which is uh, Warren Buffett's company here in the U.S., which is a, a huge long-term investor, mm-hmm. they've recently bought stock in Apple. Um, and they buy undervalued companies that they expect to do well. So. So basically, everyone talking doom and gloom about Apple has been in Apple's favor this time because it drove expectations down, and then Apple didn't do nearly as bad as everyone thought, even though they lost money compared to... Or, no, they didn't lose money. They failed to make as much money as they did the same time last year. And everyone's seeing it as a good news story because they were expected to be so awful. Correct. The other, the other thing, and not a lot of people are paying attention to this, but some are, the, the quarter that's being compared was mm-hmm. the sixth quarter. You know the i the iPhone six and and uh, six plus quarter, 
And that, we remember, was the first large phone. Yeah. And there was huge pent-up demand for that. So some people, including the uh, before-mentioned Asimco, mm-hmm. uh, Horace Du, that he pointed out and others have pointed out that if you look at a trajectory of iPhone sales, the 6 was an out-of-line upswing. And so, in other words, it was much higher than if you just looked at a linear projection where it should have been because of right. all that pent demand. So now all we've really done is with the success is come back down to that trend line. Okay, and so will, uh, the trend line hasn't gone, we haven't gone below the, the trend line if you ignore the, the six, have we? Or, correct, correct. Oh. No, you're, you're correct. We have not gone below the trend line if you ignore the six. If you just draw, you know, draw a straight out line, we're, we're in good shape. So, or Apple's in good shape. So th- that's something that some people pay attention to and others don't. I think the market generally it goes, oh my goodness, at some point this product is going to stop selling so well. Um, all products eventually uh, you know, stop growing in terms of their numbers. And then the market is anticipating that sooner than Apple is, at least, and at least from what I'm garnering from Tim's remarks on the conference call. Okay, so Apple are expecting this to go up and the, the people are not quite interesting. Yeah, the, one of the things, I mean, they'll talk about uh, is, the, is, quote, the market saturated for smartphones and for Apple. And Tim quoted a number in the conference call that only that, the, that in terms of every human being on the planet owning a smartphone, only 42% do. And I'm, I'm assuming, I don't know where he, what's behind these numbers, but I'm assuming he's excluding, you know, newborn babies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, people who you wouldn't expect to, they are sure. human, but they're... Little, a little early for iPhones. Um, They're intuitive, so, but not that intuitive. Exactly, exactly. So, so, but with that number, if it's only forty-two percent saturated, although he does say, admittedly, a lot of those are emerging markets and underdeveloped uh, countries. So, mm. you know, you can get into all kinds of things about that. But it was interesting to me because I hear so much commentary that, oh, yeah, the market's saturated, the market's saturated, all you're going to have is replacements and switchers and such. Um, but it, that's not the way he sees it. So, so Linda, can I ask a question? There's been lots of um, commentary um, about what is going to be Apple's next big thing. So there was no jitters from the marketplace about the fact that, you know, at this point in time, no one can see the next big thing coming from Apple. No, but there was, you know, there was something really interesting in that on the conference call because one of the analysts, um, I wish I could remember who it was. I, I think it was the gentleman from Barclays. Uh, he asked the question, he says, okay, you guys are spending lots and lots of money on R&D. How much of that money is being spent on to maintain current products like on future development of the iMac or future development of the iPhone or whatever? And how much is on brand new products that we don't know about? That's not quite the way he said it, but that's essentially what he said. And Tim, you expect Tim's going to go, none of your business. I'm not going to comment on that. But Tim answered and said, no, he says, I'm not going to get into percentages, but yeah, a considerable amount is being spent on products that are not yet in the market. And so everybody's going, ooh, 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 there's new stuff coming, you know? <laughs> right. Right. So he, he, so he offset any fears that they may have had with that comment. Right. The, the analysts that are on this call are on – There's the same analysts are on almost every call. Once in a while, you get a variation with one or two. These guys know. 
I mean, these guys are usually pretty good, despite the PR that you'll hear to the contrary. Uh, but some of the industry analysts and, uh, you know, our, our uh, what's the gentleman, our, our infamous bad analyst who's, who's uh, Enderly. Yes. You know him. He's he's an analyst, but he's not of the same kind as these guys. And he's certainly not of the same quality. So, I mean, I don't mean to pick on him, but he, you know, well, it's well known that he said a lot of things that were not brilliant. She says understatedly. Yes. I, I, I was quite surprised that the 63 percent of revenue coming from international sales. Um, for me, that's still quite low. That's a big area for them to still have a go at. Do we know what those numbers are from previous times and whether that's increased or decreased? Going on memory, it's about it seems about the way it's been for the last while. It's always been sort of low 60s ish as far as I can remember. Because that's for me, that's that's still an awful lot of revenue from now. Now, international sales, are they deeming the U.S. as being home or are they deeming U.S. and Canada as being home or U.S., you know, Mexico, you know, basically mm, the as, Americas? As far as I know, it's the U.S. only. So this is non-U.S. Yeah, that's a big chunk of business that's uh, based in the U.S. though. So for me, they've st- there's still an awful lot for them to go at outside of the U.S. Correct. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do you know, I, I wonder whether it... Um, you know, when analysts say that they feel that the market is saturated, um, I wonder whether they – it was something I was thinking about on my way home today. I wonder whether the price point at which Apple are, it's that market that's getting saturated. Hmm. That, that basically they're running out of people who are rich enough to buy their stuff. Sounds like It sounds like the Golga Frinchams on the, the Hitchhiker's Guide, building planets <laughs> for the very rich. Yeah, but um, with the six SE or the SE, sorry, but there's no there's no six in front of it. That they seem to be going after the markets too. I mean, it's in the, you, well, you can get cheap yeah, iPhones. You can get iPhones narrow, within a fairly narrow band, though, isn't it? Let's face it. I mean, it's still top end. Yeah, it's still it's still fairly top end, and I'm just wondering at some point will will Apple decide that actually thirty eight percent gross margin is great, but Perhaps on some products, we can let that slide a little bit. I don't know. It's just a thought. I I just wonder what would happen, you know, if they, for instance, on the very small market that is Mac sales, hmm. if they suddenly decided to say, okay, let's knock twenty percent off off the Macs. Let's not. Do you know what I mean? And, or, and upgrade the low end specs and whatever. And I just wonder whether that would drive more sales. I, it probably wouldn't, because I'm not an analyst and I don't understand well, money. <laughs> generally well what you're what you're suggesting has been suggested for forever by um industry analysts and financial analysts and the whole lot so that they've been you know you need to knock your prices down you need to knock your prices down and um apple as a company generally has chosen not to do that um, but the se has been seen by some as a slight move in that direction and then as far as the iphone is concerned um, Bart, you may remember this. There was mm-hmm. a story about India, and get, I should say Bart, but get anybody, any of you might remember. There was a story about in India they were looking for the right to sell. I'm going to tell you, refurbed yep. phones or used phones. Yeah, the so refurbs. That's, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's another way, and Apple does sell, you know, some refurbs. So um, that's another way that brings brings down the price, the affordability 
of the product itself without necessarily giving up because they don't want to give up their their spot as a um, uh, as a high price brand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about think about BMW selling a very, very cheap car or think about uh, it's very easy to go down. It's much more difficult to go back up. Exactly. Right. We've seen we've seen where that business model leads. Michael Dell gave that a good go. Didn't work out great for him. He's no longer, it's no longer a publicly traded company. Uh, right. They had to take that private again. That's how well that went. Uh, HP is in how many pieces now? They also took that business model. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Depends on where you count them from. Too. <laughs> it does really. Like HP just completely exploded. Yeah. Uh, yeah. IBM completely out of the PC industry. For, you know, so it's. Well, I think, you know, Amazon do it. But look how many customers and who they're selling to and what they're selling. They're trying to get into everything and they have to sell everything. So that's your yeah. problem. It's a completely different mindset and business mentality. I think yeah. there's a bit of a difference, though, between continually driving down prices and making a one-off cut that would bring them down a notch. It still wouldn't make them cheap. Right. But that's, what they, that's how people see the SE. And right. see the exactly. selling. So, so you you come down a little bit, but you maintain your quality level and you maintain your brand. And you can buy, you know, again, if you think BMW, you can buy a two series BMW, or you can buy a seven series BMW. Uh, you know, the bigger, more expensive car. So, but you still have the brand intact. Of this is a high quality, and and Mercedes does the same thing. Although I'm not familiar with their models. That would be the A series. Okay. A series, C series, you know, this, yeah. C is their second up, A, B, C, D, E. It's basically the bigger the letter. The letter gives you how posh the car is, and the number after it is the number of tenths of a a litre that the engine has. So a 500C has a 5-litre engine and is a class C. So C, and C is a a higher class than A. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, so the the A's are the little dinky cars, the the little... Little five-seat hatchbacks that Mercedes make. They they were the ones that had a habit of falling over a decade or two ago, I believe. They had trouble. Okay. okay. Those were the aluminium ones, weren't they? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember what they're made of, but basically they were too tall and high and they sort of fell over. Not not in a good way, um, I have to say. <laughs> so did they mention anything uh, on the call about um, all of their, their spare cash that they're carrying around the world? Um. <laughs> It, what, it, it's reported in the basic numbers, and what was interesting is, is that this time it did not go up. I've forgotten the exact number, uh, but it's it's still over two hundred billion. It's like two hundred, yeah. roughly two hundred forty billion, and this time it stayed pretty much even. Apple is, um, as you probably know, it quote in the process of returning uh, money to shareholders by doing both share buybacks and by the dividends. Um, the dividends compared to other companies is not all that high, but it's not all that low either. So it's it's reasonable. Right. So basically they're giving back to shareholders about as much as they made in profit and if the cash in hand to stay the same. Right. Either that or they're investing that extra cash in, in uh, R&D. R&D or <laughs> something else inter- interesting for us. That's true. Project Titan might take a lot of money to keep up and running. Right. Right. Which we'll talk about later, so let's not derail ourselves on that just now. Um, something else, that another number that jumped out from... Actually, no, unit sales. We haven't talked about those yet. So, so far we've been talking about dollar amounts, but obviously the other number Apple will tell us for everything apart from the watch is how many of everything they sold. 
so in terms of iPhone sales, the answer to that is 40.4 million, which is a lot of iPhones, but it's less than 47.5 million, which is sold last year. IPad yes, I think, an, I think analysts were expecting that to be in the high 39s or 39 million or something. That's, that's why they were quite surprised. Or, for, or was it low? Sorry, might have been low 40s. I think the analysts were expecting that number to be 40.1 or 40.2 and they come above that and that's what meant um, or part of that meant that they were quite pleased and hence the share increase rather than the share decrease. There's also something to do with the, the, the basically they, they didn't lose as much in units as they did in revenue so the assumption is that the SE was very popular. Yep. Right. Sort of the juice from that. Um, iPad-wise... Still close to 10 million a quarter at 9.95 million. Uh, however, that is down from 10.9 million last year. And then max sales are at 4.2, basically four and a quarter million, uh, down from 4.8 last year at the same time. So uh, the iPad and the Mac down about 10%, the iPhone down about 15%. Um, I guess that's, that's what happens when stuff slows down, isn't it? There's well, there's a, a couple commentaries on the iPad. Although the units were down, the revenue from iPad was up. It wasn't up a whole lot, but it mm-hmm. was up, and that that's because of the uh, the popularity of the iPad Pro, not the not, yeah. not the big one, but the yeah the the, the standard sized one. So oh. so they may have the same effect of the iPhone six this quarter next year. Possible. Possible. It's hard. It's hard. iPad is really hard to predict. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because your renewal cycle is is very hard to predict. You know, when will people replace iPads? And um, it's that's really hard. Um, on on the Macs, also there are no new Macs this quarter, and I believe that last year that during the same quarter there were a couple of new models. Yeah. This, so, this is we now expect to be getting the back to school laptops. And there are none this year, which is very yeah. strange. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm thinking fall. I'm thinking you know whatever's going on it, because there's a number of Macs that have been, um, you know, just not, yeah, languishing. Have not been re- renewed, replaced, replenished, re- uh, revised in any way for a, for a bit. So, well, pretty much yeah. the only one that's in any way current is the 12 inch MacBook, which got a bit of TLC in the spring. Um, other than that, they're all languishing. And I guess I the 12-inch listening. MacBook is... I mean, of all the if, if, of all the back-to-school laptops, I guess that's probably the most student-friendly one, being their cheapest laptop as well. Not to mention an absolutely gorgeous device for carrying around all the time. Sure. I was yeah. listening to a tech, the TechFam podcast earlier on, and um, that, they're concerned, they were concerned that, that um, Apple have got a bit bored with the Mac, really. That that was their general opinion. Oh. Well, praising very much. Yeah, or, or they're, they're they're up to something. Um, oh, that's that's possible. What I heard speculated by John Gruber is that something in Sierra requires a hardware bump of some sort, some fancy pants feature we're getting, and that's what's holding them back until they come out together in the fall. Yeah, maybe. No. Isn't there also something, and I have not followed this closely, but isn't there also something with respect to Intel's chips that the Skylake or whatever their latest chip coming out is um, has been delayed or has not has not been produced in quantity or something like that? That's I know the Mac I've heard Pro. that. Pro, yeah. So the Mac Pro, 
runs on high-end server chips. And at this stage, there are a few versions back on the chip to the point that that machine is ridiculously outdated for being so spectacularly expensive. And Mm. everyone keeps expecting Apple to renew it, but it seems like Apple are waiting for Intel to finally let go of the the latest update to to that sort of high-end chip, which I think is a Xeon chip that goes into those machines. And that may be a reason why Apple are holding off of the Mac Pro, but that doesn't, I don't think that, to the same, I don't think that explains the others to the same extent, uh, but certainly yeah. the Mac Pro has been. It, it seems is being held up by wanting to wait for the latest greatest processors from Intel. Okay, and then what about Thunderbolt? Is that another limiting? Let me be Thunderbolt three or something in that neighborhood. That's that maybe another limiting factor. And I'm speculating. Maybe, I'm, I, I mean, USB three is now ready at this stage. Uh, Windows Windows laptops are coming with you with Thunderbolt over USB C, which basically uh, means you have one connector with the power to do either of those two things, which is very powerful. So the little Dell XPS laptops, which very much compete with the twelve uh, inch MacBook in terms of size and weight and stuff like that, they're a very similar device. They have USB C. They have Thunderbolt three over USB C. Um, and they've had that for months now, since Christmas time. Okay. So, okay. I don't, yeah, that shouldn't be holding Apple back. The, the, the only spec that we're waiting on, which I would expect maybe to hold up an iPhone, but not to hold up a Mac, would be uh, Bluetooth 5 is due this fall. Do we know what the sales of PCs generally were? Because they Apple tend to outrun the general sales of PCs. And I don't know, I didn't hear that this year. Uh, I think we'll get that number at some stage soon. They don't tend to come out at exactly the same time. Uh, but if if past this prologue, it's been about an 11% decline quarter over quarter for ages and ages now in the PC market as a whole. So we're okay, so with this. So, uh, so Mac sales are down 11%. So the, it could be the PC sales may go down more than that because they generally outrun them, don't they? Now, now where I'm coming from on this is PC sales continue and continue and continue to decrease. So that may also be in the back of Apple's mind that actually it's, I don't want to say it's a dying product, but it's its a dying product. Well, no, it's Apple are itself. reconsidering it, right? I mean, it's not an yeah, insignificant yeah, it, profit it's, center. So, it's, so, so they, they, it's still a very significant profit center, and any company would love to sell the amount of um, computers they're saying. But I'm just talking gene- um, generically, but not specifically about Apple and the drop in their sales. But I wonder in the in the back of their mind whether they're, they're trying to work out what the next step is and where the next uh, move for um, computing is from a, a desktop perspective. Yeah. I'm sure they are. I mean, I'm sure you're right that they are, you know, working that out. At the same time, um, the history, I think, is to keep the other product available and pretty oh, much yes. up to date oh, yes. yeah. for, you know, for a long period of time. So so I, I think they have – my gut says they are definitely working on something and something will come out in the fall and it will be significant. Uh, whether Gruber's got it exactly right, I don't know, but he's, he's, he's not a dumb man. So no, he's often, no, his record is pretty yeah. good. Uh, yeah. Just to put into context, right? So in terms of unit sales, the Mac is about ish. It's actually under half of iPads. So 4.25 versus almost 10. Yeah. But in terms of revenue, the Mac is 5,000, 000, so 5 million, billion, million. Revenue in <laughs> millions. So 5, 
thousand million, so five billion. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the Max is making five point two billion per quarter, or at least it made five point two billion this quarter. Whereas the iPad, which sold over twice as many units, is only four point eight billion. So the Mac is still, in terms of money, a bigger business than the iPad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. agreed, agreed. But as I say, that's why I wasn't diving into Apple. I was mm. just thinking about the business of selling desktops and laptops is a declining area. What's yeah, what, what Apple's profit margins on the Mac, again, com- just like with the iPhone, are much higher than the industry average. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's something to keep in mind, too. From a business perspective, Apple's got a lot of incentive to keep rolling on the Mac for quite a while. Oh, I think there's still an awful lot of interconnectivity between the Mac and your iPhone. I mean, it's. I think a lot of people... Um, who have a Mac will have an iPhone. It's not always the the reverse of that, but very often it's it's if you've got a Mac of some sort, you've often got a, other Apple devices in your in your life, uh, and sure. they very much interact together. And that that's you know that's not going to be that's not going to disappear short term. You know, and I I can see at least another five to ten years of of them still being here, but this is a de- declining area certainly. I think, I think well, Steve Jobs' cars and trucks analogy still holds for me. You know, yes. we're never going to not need trucks. Yeah, we're going to, you know, there will be lots of people who get by without a truck. But there are still going to need to be a lot of trucks. Yeah, but the, then I agree with you. Totally agree with you. But I think this is where the concern of a lot of people is that they're going into purely the consumer market. Now, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't hold water with that. Okay. Well, if you, if you look but, at the evidence, I mean, they have started to do their operating systems in lockstep with each other. And they're f- working really hard at getting your experience to be seamless across all their platforms. So that, that doesn't strike me as a company that's losing, losing interest in any of those platforms. No, but you, you see, you, you're still aiming at that, that one particular area. I think longer term, they'll be looking at the PC market as a declining market. So it's what's going to replace it. How can we replace it moving forward? Now, I'm not saying it's going to go completely and far from it at the moment. It's a great area for them. Um, but I, it would be wonderful to find out what their expectation and where it's moving in the future. Well, there has to be a floor on this fall in PC sales. So people are replacing their PCs with tablets and and phablets and that kind of stuff. But there's a limit to that. That is going to stop. So so, so that's and it would be interesting to find out um, what that graph looks like at the moment of that decline. Isn't just, the, you know, where where the plateau is? Isn't isn't the fall in in PC sales being more driven by companies going for virtual virtualization far more than it is. Well, on the server end, it is. On the server end, that's absolutely true. So on the server end, where you would have bought, say, every time you had a project, you would say, oh, okay, we need five servers for this. That'll be five little cheap one new servers. And when now what you will do is you will say, we will spend 50 grand, 60, 50 grand per server. We'll buy three giganto big servers. We'll cluster them together. So if any two is up, we're golden. And we'll run 500 VMs. Like, yeah. That is certainly true in the server market. But the server market... It's always reported separately anyway for PCs. So for Intel, that matters because they make but a lot of money on be, server chips. But, but weren't that be eating away? I mean, originally, those would have been PCs that were being sold. Well, no. They would have been counted. No, they would never have been counted because they were servers. So no, they would you don't never understand what I mean. Numbers. 
<clears throat> no, and what I'm saying is, say, for instance, a company might have bought, I don't know, two, th- uh, 300 PCs originally, yeah. which would have connected to servers. Right. Now they're only buying four or five servers and 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 the the little... Thin clients. Thank you. Well, I don't, where, where are people seeing these thin clients? I've been hearing about this since the 80s, and I've yet to see any in an actual office anywhere. People are still well, the company I work, The company I work with is almost completely thin client. But what are the thin clients physically? Are they not PCs that just have nothing installed? Well, well, yes, but would you count that as a PC sale? I don't know. Yeah. As long as it as long as it has the potential. In other words, what, what is it? Is it a Dell? Is it an HP? Is it a Lenovo? Yeah, think it's a Dell. The yeah. Dell's the one. That's a PC. Yeah, that's counted as a PC sale. The fact that it's not doing very much isn't changing the fact that Dell sold it to you. What it does mean is from Dell's point of view is that it's probably not very highly specced, and so Dell probably have made very little money on that sale. It's still a unit, but it's not a unit that brings in a lot of profit. Yes. Which is why poor Dell are in so much trouble. And Intel's trouble is the fact that they're terrible at making mobile chips, and the whole world is going mobile. And if it wasn't for the fact that they're doing so well in the server market, I'd say Intel would be in deep, deep doo-doo. But they are making fantastic server chips, so I guess that's keeping them afloat. Yeah, as as Gerd said, I suppose it'll be interesting to see where the floor is on this. Yeah, and there has to be one, right? There is a, there is, there is a. People are swapping out their PCs for other things, but at some point we're left with people who don't want to swap their PCs anymore, and then the fall stops. I just don't know when it is. And you also have the fact that the PC industry has stopped being nearly as innovative, so the replacement cycles are stretching. Which again comes into the virtualization thing, because if there's nothing on the PC. No reason not to run the thing into the ground. So what if it breaks? It won't leave anyone stuck for days on end while they get a whole new machine installed. Yeah, they'll be out yeah. for you know twenty minutes or whatever while they pop in a new one. So they become completely replaceable. So mm-hmm. you can just run them into the ground for oh yeah the five year warranty's up. Keep running them. You know, as long as they boot up, keep running them. You know, seven years, eight years, keep running them. And that just struck a thought just struck me, and it's certainly an area that Apple are looking at. And there's there's lots of talk around their service. Um, mm. and that's that's one thing that I think Tim Cook mentioned on the call. Right. Uh, yes. And, yeah, and obviously, their service, the money they make from their services, is uh, a big number. And a it thought is. just struck it's almost me six six billion this quarter. That they, it could be a service that they then deliver to people. So you have a you know a dumb client at home, but you actually got the service of um, an operating system coming to you. I don't know. Perhaps I should be working at Apple. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's not the first time that idea has been had. It hasn't. It never seems to have quite worked out. But yeah, it's, it's, it's so so that you just get almost a screen and a link to uh, Apple servers. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, but I mean, ser- services. I think it was interesting. I think that the, the amount of money they're making from services certainly. Well, it yeah. now yeah. it's now bigger than the Mac. So we said the Mac was five point two billion, while services is five point nine seven billion this quarter. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that is a high point, and that's something that Tim has emphasized on the past two or three calls. So, um, yeah. Apple Watch then is obviously a much smaller market because the other the MISC category, uh, which includes Apple TV, Apple Watch, Watch Beats product, iPod, and Apple brand the third party <laughs> accessories. Oh, bless the little iPod! All of that together is only two only two point two billion. Well, yeah, two point two. <laughs> <laughs> they're, look, they're, they're, <laughs> 2.2 billion. Okay, there are companies 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> have have a thousand no, they have three thousand people working for them and their turnover is one billion pounds. So that'd be about one point two 1.3 billion dollars mm. oh so. yeah, yeah i mean this is, they're a big company right even if you spin out these things on their own they're still big companies but yeah incredible by apple incredible. standards right that's oh yeah yeah 12th yeah. ish the size of the yeah. iphone it just makes it pocket change yeah it's it's kind of interesting that they've put the watch in the same category as the uh, as the ipod because you know that ipod sales have to be declining right and and the watch sales you just don't know you know, so you can't tell if the, if there's movements in this number, you can't really tell. Well, is that because now they're all of a sudden they're selling more watches, or is it because they're selling fewer iPods, or what? You know, so so that that's yeah. an interesting obfuscation. And to, to make it even worse for us to try to do any sort of tea leaf reading on it, the Apple TV, which we really don't know how it's doing either, that's also mixed in with that bunch. So, iPods probably down, watches maybe up. Apple TV, goodness only knows. The the watch also, uh, when it's a new product, like any other new product, when it's a new product, that's when the sales tend to go up. And it's entirely possible that people are waiting now to see, well, what are they going to do next in terms of the watch? Um, well, I think I, my the big own- thing for the watch will be when it's version 2 comes out because it's, it's – it, it's I adore my watch to be – like it's a fabulous piece of kit. But until watchOS 3 comes out and it starts to be a bit more responsive – and until the new hardware comes out, it's it's not ready to do that 200% growth carry-on that we're used to seeing for new Apple products. It's it's not ready for that yet. Yeah, I agree. And there's there's a number of folks out of going, oh, well, the Apple Watch just didn't do so well. And it's like, it's so, you can't say that. It is way too early to say that on this product. Yeah. People forget so, how a year into the iPhone, it couldn't do 3G yet. People forget these things. We, we forget mm-hmm. how spectacularly limited the first iPhone was and how how much of a cult product it was versus a popular product. Yeah, there was no sorry, there was no cut and paste. Remember there was no cut and paste? Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I remember that for like two or three versions. That took a while to level that one out. So frustrating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Gaz, you were No, it was my, it was Nick. <laughs> okay, oh, I'm uh, sorry. No, that's okay. Um no, I was just observing that of all those figures, are probably going to be less than the four point two point four point two five million max sales. So they're probably yeah. They could they could be a couple of million each. I don't know. I mean, it's just wild guessing, but it's it's going to be under that figure, isn't it? Probably. Probably yeah. Uh, the other thing I was going to say was I still think I still think the Apple t- uh, not the Apple TV the uh, the watch is always going to be a fairly low figure. It's probably always going to be reported in the other. Well, that depends, though, because uh, like, so th- this product is very much a detachable part of an iPhone. So that means that the addressable market is capped by the size of the iPhone market, which is, you know, as being capped goes, not a bad cap to have, but a cap nonetheless. But uh, as the device becomes more independent, like an iPod, or which the iPhone is the descendant of, used to be irremovable from your Mac or your PC. Well, initially from your Mac. And they've developed lives all of their own. Like, you can have uh, an iPod Touch and never let it anywhere near a computer. It's now a perfectly standalone device. But it didn't used to be like that. And the watch may develop to the point of independence, you know, probably not the next hardware iteration, but maybe the one after that. And at that point, uh, it's I, a very different product. Well, maybe, but I don't know. I, I just get the feeling that People tend to equate, and this is going to sound really silly, but this is my theory. Uh, 
people attach value to size. And <laughs> yes, they uh, do. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that the Apple is watch is quite small means that they tend to be a bit reluctant to spend as much as they would have on a phone on it. Yeah. Did you, did you know what I mean? I, no, I, I, do. I just well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It's, I think um, we should take take bets on that. I'll, I'll I'll bet that in a few years it'll reach X million, and you can bet against me or. <laughs> <what's that? laughs> well, I'm sure you'll know better than I do. <laughs> well, yeah, I yeah I think like you know the way the iPhone isn't really a phone. They just call it a phone because that's why we would buy it. The Apple Watch probably won't be a watch. Like it, it will become a computer you just have with you at all times that you talk to and it does stuff. Yes, we haven't got the language for these devices at the moment, have we? Yeah, I mean we didn't have the language for the iPhone. We still call it a phone. How often do you make a phone call on it? Because for me, it's almost never. Mm. I I do, but yeah, not a whole lot. But go ahead. Yeah, it's a computer in our pocket that we've called a phone for historical reasons, and the watch will probably become a computer strapped to our person that we call a watch for historical reasons. It'll become your plastic pal who's fun to be with. Isn't that your flexible friend? Isn't that uh, isn't that your access credit card no, which no, went out of business no, quite no. some time ago? <laughs> <laughs> it's another quote from the Hitchhiker's Guide, I'm afraid. Ah, okay, well that works too. <laughs> okay, um, just because, just to mention, you know, it, it's so easy to grow big when you're small. So Apple Pay, 450% year-over-year growth. Wow! <laughs> Starting from a low number. Uh, nonetheless, 75% of all contactless payments in the US are Apple Pay, which basically means Apple are the only people to have gotten this show yeah. into the hands of real human beings instead of just nerds. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah. And finally, a, a sort of a cryptic hint from Tim Cook that Apple has big things planned for the Apple TV. What they are? Nobody knows, because he didn't tell us. He just basically said, yeah, if you think this is all we have planned, you're wrong. Yeah, car karaoke. Car karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even put it in as a story, but yeah, Apple, Apple bought the exclusive rights to that. And yeah, the other thing I didn't put in as a separate story, because as far as I'm concerned, there's no actual news there. Uh, the Wall Street Journal are saying that some people say Apple are being very mean in negotiations. <laughs> Which is just, it's, it's he said, she said, and if they're gone to the press, it means that they're not doing very well in the negotiation. Mm. Uh, there is a link in the show notes people may find helpful, which is the wonderful write-up I more always do of everything Tim said on the call. I think its title is This is Tim, so it's linked in the show notes. Uh, the next big story I have marked down, it's, it's not nowhere near as big as the uh, earnings report, but nonetheless we're talking about, uh, JD Power have done a survey of satisfaction ratings with smartwatches. And Apple have come top. Um, now, the numbers to me don't look very impressive because basically everyone seems to be hovering very close to sort of the 80 to 85% sort of mark. However... Apple is the only one that gets five power circles, whatever the sodding hell a power circle is. Um, And everyone else seems to get two power circles, whatever the sodding hell a power circle is. So Apple are at 852 out of 1,000, or 85.2% if you're into percents, and five power circles. Then the average, if you average everyone together, is 847 out of a thousand and that gets three power circles and then everyone else seems to be below the average somehow so samsung are at 842 with two power circles sony 842 power circles fitbit 839 two power circles lg 827 two power circles so basically everyone seems to be on two apart from apple on five 
But everyone, to me, everyone seems awfully close to that sort of 80 to 85% mark. It seems very close together to me. It's interesting because their legend shows on the power circle among the best. Um, and then the two is, is just the rest. And three is about average. So it sort of implies that all of those with twos are below average yeah. based on their legend on the article. So I don't know. Also based on how they've graphed it, because you have Apple, then you have report average, and then you have everyone else. So it seems that everyone is below average and Apple is above average. It means that they take unit numbers into account. How is that possible? It's it's smartwatch satisfaction. So that has to be some kind of survey for how well There must be a weighting on the number of people they're talking to in those different um, companies. I bet they've weighted it that way. Yeah, it, it seems like a very odd scale that everyone is so close together, and yet when they put it into circles, they make it into such a big difference. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know, it's funny yeah. numbers, but anyway, the point yeah, you being... Wouldn't I- think, you, you wouldn't think that, um, what is it, th- um, 23, 25, yeah, it is 25, isn't it? Uh, a, a point difference of 25 gives you an extra three circles. <laughs> yeah. Or is it because they're top, they are among the best? And that's how they get there. I don't know. Mm. I guess so. I mean, it is five circles among the best, two circles the rest. Okay. Mm. People like their Apple Watches anyway. They do. And (laughs) whatever weird methodology is used, the fact that Apple are at the top of the scale and not the bottom is a very good thing for Apple. And it does also show that while, you know, the Apple Watch first generation is not a perfect product, it's, it, it's all right, Mike. You know, it, it's um, it's not too shabby. Mm. Yeah. Okay, um, now we do move on to something I don't like doing on this show, but every now and then you sort of have to accept the inevitable. Um, I don't like talking about rumours because this is a news show and I'm much more interested in what's actually happened. However, at this stage, it's, there's no point in pretending Project Titan doesn't exist. Yeah, Apple have never formally accepted it, but it seems pretty darn clear that it exists by now. So, bearing in mind that we're pretty sure Project Titan is real, that then leaves us with two news stories that are probably also real, but again, all unofficial, all not confirmed by Apple, so all sort of in that grey area somewhere between rumour and news. The first of the stories is that there's been a change of management at Project Titan, and that Apple have pulled Bob Mansfield, who's an absolute legend in Apple circles, out of retirement and put him at the top of Project Titan. Certainly a very capable person. To have him in the lead is is impressive, but it does also suggest that things weren't going great if they felt the need to pull poor Bob out of retirement. Um, Also then, Apple appeared to have succeeded in poaching a senior QNX chief engineer out of BlackBerry and into Project Titan. Now, QNX is BlackBerry's real-time operating system. And real-time operating systems are things you use for time-critical computing, like, ooh, autopilots and airplanes, or, ooh, I don't know, cars! So it seems like a very good kind of engineer for Apple to be hiring someone with you know really high chops in QNX. So th- that is what we think is happening in the project that probably exists called Project Titan. A- any thoughts? I reckon they're making a making a Power Ranger. A Power Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're all working on, Power Rangers. But if it transports you from A to B, I suppose it counts. <laughs> Here, actually, so I've been hearing a lot of people, Adam Christensen in particular has been pushing his pet theory, and it's just a pet theory, because again, Adam is not saying he has some sort of inside information, he's just guessing like we all are. 
maybe Apple isn't making a car to sell to us. Maybe Apple is planning on making some sort of service where you summon a driverless <laughs> yeah. car, it comes along, does your bidding, and then sods off to help yes, someone else I'd, out. Actually, can I, can I just say that... Uh, <laughs> hmm, I'm, I'm going to shake... I don't normally do this, but I'm going to shake... Actually, I had that story, and I mentioned that to Guy, and we had that discussion on a MyMac podcast. It must have been almost... Well, it must be four to six weeks ago now. Oh, well, then you clearly get credit for this. And... <laughs> And Guy had a word with Adam at MacStock and <laughs> told him that story. <laughs> that's actually because Adam did prefix when I was chatting at MacStock. So yes, I, yes, yes, you did. From. You did. Okay. So that's where it came from. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting a little tick in my box there. <laughs> very good. One. Very good. But I, I like the, and, and it, but it also goes back to the services thing that is doing Apple mm. so well at the moment, and it's just almost a continuation. And I'm very much. Um, and I think you've you've said this numerous times, um, Bart, that that Apple they do the same product or the same service, but they do it differently, and that may be exactly what they're thinking about now. And I especially what made me trip over on this was when they they piled that money into the Chinese um, yes. Didi Didi Didi. Who yeah. I don't know, and, and I'm not sure whether you want to mention the news, but actually, Didi and Uber have now got some sort of tie-up in China together. I saw some news on that today, so perhaps you want to leave that till next month. Um, but but I I certainly think when they had that tie-up with their that that probably served them several um, uh, several benefits, not just the fact that you know they're proving to china that they want to spend some money and invest some money back into mm. that country but it also serves them along the lines of this service of a vehicle which um uh which i'm I, i'm a fan of I, I i mean i asked my my wife and i said this in the podcast i'd, I'd ask my wife and my daughters would you use that service and they went hell yes yeah i mean yeah and it seems so, so much more efficient in terms of you know the amount of cars that spend their whole day sitting idle, they could be doing something instead of just sitting there being a waste. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very much a, an advocate of that as a, a possibility moving forward. I don't think they're going to make a car. I think no. they will be very much interactive with a car or with some sort of service and, and align with a company to put their services in a vehicle, um, which is possibly autonomous. Yeah, I've said from the beginning that I didn't think Apple were making a car. And I have a hat, an edible hat on a ship, <laughs> <laughs> just in case. So but, when Apple released the Car S7 or whatever they're going to call it, that, <laughs> then you eat your hat. It, indeed. I think the hat may be safe. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea of a service, that's it. Yeah, I like that idea. See, I'm thinking a service in their own car. I think they are going to make a car. They're just not going to sell it to you and me. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's and that's where I'm the tie up. Sure. That that's where it possibly ties up with uh, linking in with DD or slash Uber or a another or themselves making them you know your your Apple service because if you think about TV and and what's happened over here and certainly what's happened in America is those companies want you to spend as much money as you can with their services whether it be you know mobile mm-hmm. landline TV broadband and that's where apple's going to be going in the future they want they want to get as much of you as they possibly can spending your money with them which they're pretty good at service 
A car, yeah, a car subscription service, exactly. Yeah. You, you, well, you, you buy and, and, and 10,000 or whatever. It, I think in Britain as well at the moment, so many people lease their cars. And this is yeah, just the next true. step on. Yeah. Yeah, you don't, it's not exclusively your lease. It's just, it's, no. you, you get a car, not that car, yes. a car. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and then in three years' time, they just renew the lease so that they, mm. they're always paying a monthly amount to, for the use of a car, whichever the level of lease value that they want to have according to the type I'm of car. I'm going to coin a new term transport as a service, TAS. Yep. Yeah, oh, I like that. Yeah. No idea if it'll take off or not, but transport as a service. Was, that's what we're predicting. Isn't TAS, wasn't TAS a, a Russian body of some sort? <laughs> Might have been. Uh, I'm also thinking TCAS, which is the Transport Collision Avoidance System, which seems appropriate, but is somewhat more aeronautical uh, than uh, car-based. Okay. In the U.S., in the, I just mentioned in the U.S. also, especially here in Silicon Valley, a lot of people lease their cars. So it's an interesting. But I still, I, I have to point out apple likes to control the whole widget mm-hmm. so the whole True. experience so i don't know i mean perhaps it's going to be you know leasing their own cars who knows who knows but yeah well google are already I'm, making their own car google started off their car project by adding tech into lexus's and toyota's i think it was yeah, yeah. but i've now heard reporting that google have their own little bubble cars that they've made themselves which don't even have a place for a steering wheel uh, and I, I just, you know, the way Google don't buy servers, they make their own because they're such heavy users. If you're going to be Apple providing this kind of a service on even, even yeah. for a single nation, you're probably going to want your own. You're going to, you're probably going to want it your way because it seems unlikely it's going to have exactly what yeah, you want. Quite likely, quite likely. And put that, but I, I think they definitely will be selling it as a service. They won't be selling cars like we uh, or a lot of people um want to buy cars these days it's well, do that. we want to or do we just because we have to i think it's because, because we, we want are. to no i yeah i said if i if if our infrastructure was better uh public transport um and i worked 24 miles away i would use public transport i would much prefer not to have to drive uh to where i work okay. i mean i'm probably an atypical example because i'm i'm within you know, self-propelling distance to work. I cycle to work every day and it takes me less than 10 yeah. minutes. But the thing is, that's great for getting in and out of work every day, but it's not great for doing a heavy shop or whatever. So I need access to a car from time to time. So you'd love a service where you've got uh, accessibility on a uh, three times a week basis to do your shopping. Yeah, uh, or with, I buy uh, so many the... hours a month or something. Yeah, because yeah. I just want yeah. to be able yeah. to do a shop and I want to be able to pop up down to my parents down the country every now and then. Yep. Yeah. As I said, I, I, I asked my, my wife and the daughters, and they said, hell yeah, that would be fine. I mean, the biggest job my car does is stop weeds growing on my driveway. It just sits there, <laughs> blocks the sunlight, and stops the weeds growing. That's most of what my car does. To throw a little uh, water on the whole of the proceedings... Go for it. Go on. My MacBook um, doesn't like that, but have a go. Don't all, throw all water the, on the batteries. <laughs> all, the, all the major motor manufacturers are also working on automation. Yeah. Of one sort or another. They have okay. the disadvantage so, of... This could be in their view as well. And yeah. let's face it, they've got more experience in the yeah, exactly. automotive industry. But we'll see. They're invested in the status quo in a way Apple isn't. So yes, you. it's like everyone said Apple could never come into the phone in the street. I mean, what do they yes. know that we don't? And the answer is they don't know all the stuff you do know. And that's the bloody problem. Like Nokia could not see this coming and it destroyed them. Uh, is Mercedes the next Nokia? 
I'm not saying it is, but it could be. Mm. Okay, uh, the last story I just want to mention, because I think it's too important not to say, um, Arm are the company who own the intellectual property of the chips at the heart of Apple's system on a chip or their A-series processors. So this is all a bit... This takes a bit of picking apart at a technical level. So Intel design CPUs, own factories, and stamp out CPUs. Apple don't do that. So Apple make their own CPUs, but they don't do that. What they do is they they pay ARM for a license to use their sort of start of a brain. And then they augment onto that start of a brain a whole bunch of custom extra bits of brain of their own to turn it from just a CPU into a system on a chip. And then they get someone else to go build all that that they've designed for them. And ARM are doing really well at this, basically providing the ability to license most of the brain of a smartphone. And then, you know, the person using the chip optionally says, well, I need some sort of matco processor to stick one of them into slot four and I need something else, put that into slot three. So basically, there are all these optional extras you can add into an ARM architecture to make your own custom CPU that you need. And ARM used to be... They were, they're British, by the way, I guess. And uh, Nick. Um, yep. They used to be called Acol, Acorn Computers, wasn't it? Acorn Risk Machines. That was it. I knew it ended up as ARM. And they are, by design, way more power efficient, of course, because they're a reduced instruction set at risk. And they just stopped making stuff and went into the process of licensing it. And it has worked out stupendously well for them because Intel have utterly failed to break into the mobile market and ARM absolutely rule the roost whether you have an android phone or an iphone it almost certainly has an arm chip at its brain and tablets in fact and tablets absolutely tablets as well and there are there have been persistent rumors forever that apple have in a secret lab somewhere a macbook running on an a series processor as well and they probably do because they had intel based laptops for years and years and years they never showed the public so whether or not they ever release it, they probably have one in there. So anyway, ARM are very important in Apple's world. And ARM are probably, assuming no one stops it, going to be sold to SoftBank for a whopping $32 billion. Sad face. Well, isn't sad. Price, sad. Do I care? Do I care? Well, I guess it's... it's, it's well, they, they, probably don't, they probably don't care for that amount of money. But it's sad that it's not British anymore. But there we go. Ah, yeah, sorry, I wasn't thinking of it like that. From Apple's point of view, I'm not sure it makes any difference who owns them. Part of me is mildly surprised Apple didn't just hand over, you know, a, a tenth or whatever of their cash on hand. They just pick it up. Yes, I'm surprised they'd let someone else buy it, but there you go. The gentleman, um, the CEO, and I, and so SoftBank is a Japanese mm-hmm. uh, company, and the CEO, um, at Mas, uh, let me see if I can say it, Masayoshi-san, um, is supposedly reputedly a huge was a huge fan of Steve Jobs. Yeah. So, yeah, and 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 so so I've heard that, and I've heard some other things about him. He's a, a very definitely a risk taker, and definitely definitely a forward thinker. He also they also own Sprint Network here in the U.S., which is, has not done well as a carrier. But um, and I guess they just had their annual report, and he basically said he was going to be spending forty-five percent of his time on ARM and forty-five percent of his time on Sprint, and the rest of what they own, you know, could handle itself. Wow! So, <laughs> so I'm not sure he said that last bit, bit, but it's implied yeah. there. So, um, but it's very interesting to hear how, the degree to which he was a fan of Steve's. 
So just add 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 side story there. Yeah. Um, also, I guess in the side story category, there's a link in the show notes to an article by Jean-Louis Gasset over at the Monday Note, basically sort of going through how ARM got to where they are now and why they matter so much. And if you're interested at all, it's, I think it's a really good read. So that, Interestingly, that interestingly too, um, you, you know you were saying that they've they're probably got a Mac running on an A-series somewhere. Yeah. Well, before I bought my first Mac in 2007... I had some PCs, hmm. and before I had my PCs, I had something called an Acorn Risk PC, ah. which had an ARM chip in it. Yes. So they have been in computers, but quite a long time ago. Well, also, yeah, I mean, they weren't by ARM, but the Risk instruction set has been in really, really big servers. With Sun Microsystems used a Risk architecture for their big, massive Solaris machines as well. So the concept of having a reduced instruction set computer doing really, really heavy lifting is not new. Well, also, Max had had Risk processors in them before yeah. Apple moved to Intel. Those were Risk processors. I remember yeah. that being touted as a uh, an advantage on the side of Apple's machines. And it was, because in terms of raw megahertz, those PowerPC chips were garbage, but they got the work done because of their good pipelining and because they were efficient little machines. What amazed me is that the my risk pc which we're probably talking about early 90s, um, had well, got a GUI interface, there very you much like the Mac. Um, it, I think... Um, looking back on it, probably better than the Mac at the time. Um, and uh, Windows PCs were, I don't think even 3.1 was out then, was it? I don't Windows think 3. so. No, Microsoft were late to the game. So no, it, is, it, it. It, was, it was quite amazing how far they were ahead then. <laughs> it's just a yeah. shame that they, well, it was, it's not a shame because they've made a lot of money out of it, but they say, split off the, the PC business and the and the chip license the chip design licensing part of it and that was obviously a good move at the time yeah i mean i there are you know intel is a story of decline at the moment not a story of success whereas arm has been strength to strength for the past decade and a half mm. Okay, just before we wrap up the show, a few little quick stories that are worth mentioning. Um, I, I think it comes as a surprise to no one that having hosted a fundraiser for Republican House Speaker Paul Ryan, Tim Cook is hosting a fundraiser for Hillary Clinton on the 24th of August. Business do not want to be friend or enemy of either political party, so it is absolutely no surprise that Tim Cook is being even-handed here. One for the Republicans, one for the Democrats. Uh, Parkopedia, who provide information on parking are partnering with Apple to provide services globally within Apple Maps. That is probably going to be useful to many people. And then mm. Apple are making Apple Music make a bit more sense by basically rolling equivalent features to uh, Apple Ma- or to Music Match or Apple Match, whatever they call that, into Apple Music so that people get DRM-free matches rather than DRM matches like they were in Apple Music. So basically they've just sort of rolled... They've given the Apple Music people all the fee, all the benefits the match people had. And I presume at some stage the match product will go away and it'll all be Apple Music. That's that's on the matching. That has been... Um, they're moving from a metadata criteria with which to match to a fingerprinting, to an uh, mm-hmm. audible 
fingerprinting is that the case okay same all right well the big the big story here is that they're moving from drm to non-drm which is what you got with up with with itunes match whatever it was called but yeah the other thing they're doing is they're fixing the terrible terrible mistake where the thing will just assume that if artist and title are the same it must be the same track because that's so not true and if the more of a music fan you are the more you right. care about having it, certain versions of a song, you know, be it that's some sort of live version or whatever. And it's infuriating to find that Apple just collapses them together and gives you the crappy radio mix or whatever. So, well, these, these are the same. So, yeah, that, that's why they're switching to an algorithm where they actually fingerprint the content of the file instead of just the metadata. Okay. Do we know as of when? I don't, I don't know that we do. I think it... Uh, I'm trying to remember the reporting I read. It was basically it was starting to happen slowly for people. So. Okay. Oh, right. I did hear that. Correct. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of another month's worth of news. You'll find links to all the stories we've talked about over at lets-talk.ie, where you'll find detailed show notes. While you happen to be over there, there are three large blue buttons um, sitting in the sidebar next to all the links in the show notes. Under a heading called Support the Show, please consider supporting the show. Uh, There are three ways to do so. There is Patreon, which is my favouritest way in the world, because the way it works is if you become a patron on Patreon, uh, you basically pledge a certain small dollar amount, and it is in dollars, unfortunately, uh, to every episode of the show that comes out. There will be exactly two a month, one Apple, one photography. They count as one. So if you'd like to give a dollar a month, just pledge 50 cent, and that will work its way up to a dollar, etc., etc. The power of this is that there is... You know, basically, your 50 cent really does go somewhere because if you just send 50 cent via PayPal, almost all of that goes to PayPal and almost none of that arrives to help me actually run the show. Whereas if everyone does it through Patreon, there's one PayPal fee at the end of the month and that's you know maybe $3 vanish, but not half the amount anyone pledges. So it's way, way, way more efficient for small dollar donations, which is why it's such a fantastic service. And the other thing, of course, is that I I can expect money to come in from Patreon, which I then pour into the bills, and then it all sort of balances out-ish. Um, and so that really makes it possible to run the show. So everyone who already supports the show on Patreon, you guys are like life support, because every month, reliably, money comes in, which can be poured into the bills, and it's it's just vital to keep things going. So thank you all very much to the Patreon supporters. Uh, PayPal supporters are e- equally welcome, um, basically, but terrible for small dollar amounts, because basically paypal take all the money and that doesn't help anyone other than paypal uh but very Give lots of money, money basically well no you're gonna throw <laughs> a five you know five five dollars five pounds five euros from there up it's really worth the effort and it's a really efficient way to help the show out but for you know a one euro one dollar sort of donation it's just you're basically just lining paypal's coffers and not not actually helping the show which is terrible because you you lose the money and i don't get it that seems useless and then the third option is to basically buy some stuff with our logo on it through our Zazzle store, and then you get some physical stuff. You also become a walking, talking advertisement for the show, and I get a percentage back from the people over at Zazzle. Uh, also, simple, just tell your friends. I mean, that is a really good way to support the show. It doesn't cost anything. Just tell your friends, review the show on iTunes. It all helps. It's all very much appreciated. And thank you to everyone who does support the show in any way whatsoever. Speaking of supporting the show, some of the people who support the show the most are those very kind panellists who give freely of their valuable time month after month after month. So thank you to all of you, and of course, specifically to our three panellists from today. Um, Going out in reverse order, Linda, do you want to tell people where they can get in touch with you? Yeah, I guess the best place is is Twitter, which where I am at LLG, the number four, 
CDG. And um, you can also, you might find that under Linda from San Jose. That's supposed to be there too. But uh, but I'm but I will let people know that I am more of a lurker than I am a tweeter. Occasionally I retweet <laughs> some, but I'm but I don't tweet very much. But nonetheless, I do do check Twitter. So so that's probably it for me. And if you go to letstalk.ie and click the panelists button in the top right of the header, that will take you to a page that lists everyone who's ever been on the show, which will give you a link to Linda's Twitter, so you don't have to remember it. Uh, Gals, do you want to tell people where they can listen to more of your fantastic theories and thoughts and uh, <laughs> prognostications? Yes, absolutely. But, but first, I'd like to say there's a piece of news here which we didn't get to mention, I don't think. Okay. But Linda went to MacStock, which happened in July. I went to MacStock last year. Watch this space, folks, because I think MacStock will be getting bigger. And uh, at some point, you might find yourself going along. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of podcasts that you've been listening to which have talked about it so uh, but go over to max uh, uh, conference and expo and you'll you'll see all the pieces about that so uh, having said that um if you all remember sorry i'm i'm, I'm doing far too much aren't i bart but no, hey, no, if no, you all remember if you all remember one of the stories that bart mentioned at the earlier which was the legal the middle story in legal latest apple settled a, a patent case for east texas mm-hmm. Reference your every second counts um, of products. Um, It basically will have taken Apple five hours to make enough money to pay for that fine. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Well done. Um, Nice to do it, guys. You can find me at gazmaz.com. You can also find me on a weekly podcast with my wonderful co-host, Guy Searle. We call ourselves the G-Men. We're on the Stoplight Network, and we're called uh, My Mac Podcast. And it's... um, I'm going to say an irrelevant look (laughs) because I made that mistake once before and I rather liked it. Irreverent slash irrelevant look at all the Mac news. You'll you'll hear the guys in all of their weird and wonderfulness. There will be some sort of bumper for that show appearing about 40 seconds from now-ish. It will be Guy and Gaz being silly. Haven't quite decided which one it will be, but it will be Guy and Gaz being silly, I can promise you. Anyway, thank you, Gaz. Uh, And finally, Nick, do you have any links you would like to give out to people? Um, like Linda, I'm a bit of a lurker on uh, on uh, Twitter. But if you want to look me up, it's Spligosh. S P L I G O S H. Thank you very much, everyone. I've been your host, Bart Bouchot. So you can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. Listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. On the MyMag.com podcast. And how could they contact you, Gaz? (laughs) (laughs) For those who don't speak parrot, that's Gaz at MyMag.com, G A Z at MyMag.com, and you can also reach him. On the Twitters at twitter.com forward slash gazmez, G-A-Z, M-A-Z, and we have a combined Twitter account, which is twitter.com forward slash guy and gaz, G-U-I-A-N-D-G-A-Z. And if, if you wanted to let Fearless Leader know that you don't speak Parrot, you can let him know that by sending an email to feedback at mymac.com, no Zed. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
You're listening to the G-Men.